ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. This is Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady. I want to welcome you to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Today is my very, very special guest, Mr. Jay Samet. You guys know he wrote one of my very favorite books, Disrupt You, and now he's back. He's got a brand new book called Future Proofing You. And so I'm really excited to have him back. It's barely out in print yet. And now we're talking to him so that you guys can get the first hearing of what this new book is about. And it's really kind of interesting, Jay. You took a kid off the street, basically, that came here with with nothing and you basically poured everything you know into this kid for a year and and presto you got a book tell me about how you got on this journey well thank you for the compliments on disrupt you disrupt you changed my life it was my way of paying forward what i know i had no idea that it would be in all kinds of languages it's coming out this year in urdu icelandic and polish i kid you not and when i was a ceo of giant companies with hundreds of thousands of employees your inboxes i hate you we're suing you you know there's always a problem but when you change people's lives you get these what i call love letters i've heard from people all over the world but occasionally usually from a millennial i'd get something to the fact that this is all motivational but i could never do it and i'm like you i'm from philadelphia i'm not a quitter i'm like how how am i failing to reach these people so i decided to put my reputation on the line i took a young man who grew up on welfare who was homeless and couch surfing at friends' houses. And I mentored him one day a week for a year. The ground rules were I gave him no capital. I didn't tell him what business to start. And I didn't open my Rolodex, no contacts. And he went, gave away the ending. Went from from that to self-made millionaire in 11 months. It wasn't easy. He worked harder than most people were willing to. So he can now live in a manner that most people can't. And I did this because... The world is changing very fast. Half of all jobs are going to go away. In the pandemic, the small business got crushed. You know, the 150 wealthiest people in the U.S. doubled their net worth in the past year. Let that sink in for a second. Not what they make in a year, doubled their net worth. Right. So disruption isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. Sure. So how do you take these obstacles and these challenges and turn them to your advantage? And so I synthesized everything that I taught this young man down into what I call 12 truths. If you follow these 12 truths, you will have success. You still have to work for it, but everybody can do it. You know, when I was growing up as a a kid in Philly, if you would have told me dozens of friends would become self-made billionaires, I'd go, I don't even know what a millionaire is, but a billionaire, that's insane. And I'm here to tell you, because I knew these people before they were famous, they're not smarter. They're not better connected. They didn't go to the right schools. They didn't come from money. You only need two things to be successful, insight and perseverance. And I can teach you insight and I can help you take your perseverance and turn it into passion, just as you have passion for small business. Everybody will follow the passion through more obstacles than chasing a buck. All right, but Jay, I'm going to push back on you. You know, I love it. I got to push back. Be hard. Insight and perseverance. That's it. That's That's all I need to be successful. Yep. Everything else can be higher. You've written as much code as Steve Jobs. Let that sink in. And he built a trillion-dollar tech company, right? Wasn't an engineer. He was a marketer. He was a marketer. I created created the first internet auction. You know, it is eBay. I work with Reid Hoff and do LinkedIn. I'm not an engineer. 
I constantly work on new things. So it all starts with a positive mindset. That's the first truth. And I think we can agree on that. If you're walking around in a funk complaining, you wouldn't see opportunity, whatever. So when I challenged myself to do this in a year, I knew I had to get this young man named Ben just hitting the ground running. So I lied to him in our first meeting, not proud of it. And I didn't let him read the book until until it was in typeset so that he couldn't change it. But I had to trick him into having a growth mindset because he didn't have that experience. So there's a psychological phenomenon called the Pygmalion effect. A professor went to a school, tested all the kids and told the teachers and students, these three kids are going to be super achievers. They're going to learn so much this year. And at the end of the year, when they test them, lo and behold, those three kids were the greatest. Turned out the professor lied. He never looked at the first test. He just picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people they're special and you treat them special, they believe. What? Right. They end up- so I told Vin that I interviewed hundreds of candidates. And out of all of them, he was the only one that had all the attributes to be a millionaire. In fact, he was the only person I interviewed. Because if I cherry pick, you know, the one guy, if I go, oh, I want to teach somebody golf. Hey, you, Tiger Woods is a day. I'll teach you. It doesn't work that way. So the next thing is most people don't understand where money comes from. And I'm sure in small businesses is a huge issue. In school, I was taught, I buy a banana for $1, I sell to you for $2, that's how I make money. That's mathematically correct, but that's not where wealth comes from. That's in game theory called zero-sum game. The only way I make money is if I take your money. And that sets you on a mindset that if they get the job and I didn't, I hate them. If, if you know somebody else is taking our jobs, robots, you know, when in fact, here's the way wealth is created. If I start a new company and I sell you 10% for $10,000, what do I now have? I have 10,000 in cash and 90,000 in equity that I can buy things with, hire people with. That's how Jeff Bezos could lose money year after year after year after year with Amazon and come out the other side as the richest man in the world. So every 48 hours, there's a new self-made billionaire. Most of them are small businesses. They're just not thinking small. The other thing we learned during this pandemic is you don't have to hire the best people to live with live within 10 miles of you. That's always been a pretty crappy way to pick people unless you happen to live at the center of genius town. Now you can have a virtual company and hire people anywhere. And conversely, you're one click away from 7 billion customers. So your customers can be anywhere. So one of the truths is every business is a high-tech startup. And unless you start thinking about it, your life is spent in the digital world. First thing you kiss in the morning is your phone. The last thing you put down before you go to bed, that's where your customers are too. So if I would tell you, I'll give you, Melinda, a million dollars, you get to go back 10 years and pick the tech stock that did the best of the past 10 years, what would you pick? You know, it's a trick question, so don't be afraid to be wrong. I probably would have picked Google, actually. Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, nope, Facebook, none of them. The most successful tech company of the past 10 years, Domino's Pizza. And you're going to go, that's a tech company. Majority of their employees work in tech. The second they became app-centric, they had a direct relationship with their customer. They could test new things. They could get market research. They could improve their supply chain. Everything became getting data. Only competitive advantage any business has is to get insights from their data faster than the competition. And I don't care if you're a corner dress shop or you're a multinational. It's the same thing. And so in Vin's case, he wanted to do what millions and millions of other people do. He grew up as part of the generation with social media. So he thought he could do social media marketing for somebody. Well, there's probably 40 million people doing that. Well, not only that, you trade in hours for dollars doing social media marketing for people. Like, you know, this is how he made his million. So 
Don't okay. knock it. All right. So I said, okay, but you're not going to suddenly sit there by yourself and get Coca-Cola or Ford, right? Comcast is going to say, let's hire this kid to do all our social media. And the people you know are going to pay you $100 a month, you know, because they don't have any money. But what if you fill a void? And that's one of the 12 truths. I hate competition. On any day, there's somebody better looking than me, smarter than me, better connected, rich, just plain old better. I don't like that person. So if I'm the only person doing something, by definition, I'm the best in the world. So find a void where there's no competition. So Vin looked around and I said, what's in the zeitgeist? What are people talking about? And at that time, the big thing was cryptocurrency. This was the year that Bitcoin went from 1,000 to 20,000. Everybody's talking Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And at the same time, a whole bunch of people decided they want to come out with new coins. So initial coin offerings were the new thing. So what if, and he came up with the idea, what if he was the social media agency that specialized on crypto? Nobody else was saying that. Now, just like any business, he just has to get the first customer, even if it's for free. But once he has that, he now has a case study. And so when he killed it for that first customer, what people used to pay him $100 a month for, they were now paying him $30,000 a month. It really is that simple. And there's always voids to fill. There's always new problems. Interesting. So there's always, so it's really about finding that niche target customer or finding that niche problem. Is that what you're saying? 100%. I don't believe that entrepreneurs sell things. I believe entrepreneurs solve things. Nobody went into a hardware store to get a quarter inch drill bit because they, they wanted a drill bit. They wanted a quarter inch hole. They bought the drill bit to solve that problem. So I talk about in Disrupt You and in Future Proofing You, you know, the three problems a day. Look at the problems in your life because odds are other people have the same problems. Come up with a simple solution to a common problem. There was a mom in Future Proofing You that I just love her story because every parent can relate to this. It's the middle of the week. It's 10 o'clock at night. Your child has to make a poster board for the presentation tomorrow in school. And they write crooked. They mess it up. They spell something wrong. And they're crying, please go to the store. Buy me another piece of poster board. Please, please, please. And you relent, okay? You bring it home. But before it, she gave it to her daughter, she took a yardstick and made little fine lines across it. So she'd do a better job. And in the morning, she's talking to her sister-in-law. She says, why don't they sell poster board with little lines on it? Make a long story short, she filed a patent and she makes about $5 million. No employees, no work. That's a small business. That's one person at a kitchen table. Wow. So there's problems all around us. The problem is we're so on autopilot we don't think about the moment by moment problems. And it's in those moments where great treasure is found. Hi, this is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, host of the Small Biz Chef Podcast. I want to serve you. This pandemic has been so hard on America's small businesses and on just America in general. If you're ready to start your dream business, boy, do I have a great offer for you. I am giving away 1,000 copies of my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people have this book. It has been printed in multiple languages around the world. And I wanted to find a way to serve America's small businesses in this pandemic. And so I am giving away a thousand copies of my book. All you have to do to get your copy is head over to beginmybiz.com slash free offer to, you know, sign up for your copy. All you have to do is pay shipping and we will mail one out to you. I am so excited about this. I want to serve you. So it's about these moment by moments, but isn't it also about 
I feel one of the things that's really troubling to me right now is I feel like there's all these people trying to copy everyone else, right? You know, so let me study Grant Cardone, let me study Ryan Dice, let me study, you know, even people trying to study me, trying to become, you know, the small business. It's like, look, I started my brand 12, 13 years ago. What I did you is not going to work for you now. Like you got to come yeah. up with something else. You're and the world is constantly changing. So why not go for the next thing? One of the 12 truths, as I, as I explained to everybody, a new trillion dollar opportunity that every small business could jump into. And again, I'm not selling anything. I'm just paying it forward. And there's nobody ahead of you. So why wouldn't you want to learn about it? So I'll, I'll give you two seconds to, to, to explain where I'm coming from. We've established that you couldn't live without your phone. You couldn't run your business in your world. No one could. Yet 10 years ago, when the iPhone came out, let me tell you two of the top 10 apps of that year. The Fart app, yeah, you heard me right, just makes little sounds, and a game with cats. So that's another way of saying no one thought of Robinhood, OpenTable, or the thousands of other apps that have made billions and billions of dollars. And it became a cornerstone of our life. Well, Apple's a client, Google's a client, Facebook's a client. I know what's coming. Best way to predict the future is hang out with the people that are coding it. <laughs> and starting at the end of this year, next year, we're all going to get glasses that have heads-up display. Your phone will stay in your pocket. This will bring information to you. It'll contextualize with an overlay to your world. So if the doctor says, oh, you got diabetes, you go to the supermarket and say, show me all the foods without sugar and everything else disappears. Mm. Or I don't remember where I parked my car and there's a line or endless possibilities. You can read a menu in any language or somebody can speak to you in any language and it'll translate and you'll hear it in your language. So if this is where the tech guys are spending billions, and if Google doesn't own this, they go out of business. If Apple doesn't sell you these, they go out of business. So they're focused on the big stuff, just like the launch of the iPhone. Mm -hmm. What they're not doing is the 9,000 new solutions that this does. The heavy lifting's being done. It's like you with your small business have an R&D team spending $10 billion just so you can get rich. So I've never been the wacky professor, you know, creating the flux capacitor, right? I'm the guy that says, somebody made all that effort to make this, I'll find a way to use it over here. Right. So what are the problems in your life? What could suddenly be solved? What could be made easier? And here's the other part, and I know you remember this from Disrupt You, because these big guys want to show off their new things as they come to market, there's a ton of OPM, other people's money. So they're willing to spend millions of dollars promoting your new app because it sells their solution. When it's hard for, for young people to understand that there was a time before swiping, <laughs> okay? And when Apple came out with the iPad, nobody knew how to swipe. So they had to teach people. So they wanted to show something in a TV commercial that would demonstrate it. So they found a little game company in Northern Europe, a failure of a company that had a game called Angry Birds. And they put Angry Birds in every TV commercial, $100 million worth of Apple commercials. What happened to little Angry Birds? Not only to become a killer game, they sold $5 billion worth of bed sheets, underwear, lunch boxes, you name it. Those big tech companies would do the same with your small business if your little solution demonstrates why they spent the $10 billion. Right. And if you're solving a problem that you're passionate about, it'll get you through those hard times because you're making the world better. Anybody can make shoes and sell shoes. When Tom's Shoes said, you buy a pair of our shoes, somebody that's never had a pair of shoes gets a pair of shoes, how much better do you feel? People are looking for meaning. People want to see shared values in businesses. So it's a great time. It's never been easier to go from zero to a million. There's no gatekeepers blocking you. 
You don't have to live in a major city. You don't have to live in a first world country. We're all connected. So you're saying it's never been easier for anyone to go from zero to million? Anywhere. So you know what, Jay? I'm going to give you your next book. Go get an ex-felon and do it. I think that would be a tiny bit more challenging. But tell me about the day that you're... So here's my question. If Vin had been a felon, who would have known? I suppose no one. But I think that there's a lot of other barriers. Well, he did have a checkered past. I don't want to out him in the podcast. Got it. Got it. There are many barriers, but the biggest barrier is between your ears. It's those voices that we've heard of who we are and what our limitations are our whole life. That's what holds us back. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. So I lay out some, some truths day one before I get into the book. Having a higher IQ doesn't translate to greater wealth and success. Going to four-year college no longer translates to having greater wealth in life. Okay? You know? So if it's not about being educated, if it's not about being naturally smart, what's it come down to? Hustle. Insight and perseverance. But yeah, yeah. It, it comes down to your hustle. Your your yeah. a friend of mine calls it your grussel. It's like your grind and your hustle together. Your grussel. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that to my good friend Hodge Flemings always says that. He said it's about your grussel. So you're saying that it's about your initiative and your perseverance or your, yeah. you said your insights and perseverance. Is that what you Correct. said? Yep. And so in Vin's case, so I got him in this positive mindset. First month, he does $60,000. He could have flown to the moon without a rocket. I mean, he was like, <laughs> he was on fire. But midway through the year, his business got sucker punched. Nothing that he did wrong, but all of a sudden just boom. And he was blindsided. He, you know, And I'm thinking to myself selfishly, okay, so a book about a guy who makes a half a million dollars isn't a bad story. You know, It's not the same catch. And at our end of the month meeting, when I was expecting him to go, woe was me, he said, yeah, that wasn't working. So I pivoted and I didn't have a good month. I only did $96,000. His goal for the month was 100. And I'm sitting there going like, if I could have just put him back a year and said, would you believe that you'd be saying someday, I only made $96,000 in a month. And that showed me that it's not about me. Everybody has it in it. Humans are adaptable. I believe in everybody. They just don't always believe in themselves. You know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. right. So the other thing that I realized that wasn't in Disrupt You, there was a huge glaring error on my part, and it's one of the, the 12 truths, is don't fly solo. Mm, okay. You're okay. going to need mentors. Okay. Oprah Winfrey had Barbara Walters. You know, everybody had somebody. Even Mother Teresa found her mentor while sitting on, on a bus bench waiting for the bus. And here's the thing. If the world is as dynamic as we know it is, the range of skills that you're going to need and the speed at which you're going to need to have them, don't get caught up in this BS of the self-made man or woman. It doesn't exist. I used to run the world's largest music company, EMI. And I remember being in a stadium with 100,000 screaming fans, our artists on the stage, you know, singing from his heart to theirs, like, oh my God, the guy made it on his own. And what they don't see is the songwriters and the producers and the managers and the PR and the roadies and the thousands of people that made it so that moment could happen. There's no billionaire that didn't have employees, investors, customers. I mean, so why not get it? And if you believe that the abundance that I'm talking about is there, as opposed to the your money or my money, then there are people that want to help you and get the validation. And by the way, being a mentor, you learn. It's not that just the mentee learns. I learned an awful lot from then. And so 
I teach in the book how to find mentors, how to use LinkedIn, how to look at profiles to figure out who. And it's not the old, just send out of the cold, like I'm sure you get, will you be my mentor? That's like walking in a bar and going, hey, will you have my baby? I don't think that works. No, so, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, good. Darn. I was going to try that this afternoon. No, but if you figure out how to start that dialogue, how to find the common points of interest, how to talk, you could end up having a lifelong mentor without ever using the M word. And everybody is connected. So whatever skill set, whatever market, whatever you're trying to do, why try to do it alone? Sure. But can you talk about that? Because I do get approached a lot for people who want mentorship. Can you talk about, so if you're not supposed to just cold call or cold email somebody on LinkedIn, what should you do? How, how should someone approach someone? So identify somebody with the skill set one rung above you in the ladder, right? You don't go to, you know, Warren Buffett, will you tell me how to invest? I mean, <laughs> right. Because his first thing would be, well, you should divide your billions this way, right? His advice wouldn't be real practical for the average, average bear. So find that person. Then, then once you figure out what that skill set is, look through, you know, do job searches and, and, and titles and stuff and find people that are involved in charity. Find people that have extracurricular things that give you a 360 and look for that point of connection. Mm -hmm. Oh, they went to Virginia Tech too, you know, whatever it might be. And when they post, they're posting things because they want to hear from people. So start a dialogue, respond, ask questions. That's a good point. What about this? I know a 17-year-old gal who responded through a series of conversations to Richard Branson on Twitter, and he invested a million dollars in her business at 17. Wow. So when I was a nobody in my 20s, and I had this great idea that I thought would expand people using PCs and everything, I wrote to Bill Gates. I didn't know Bill Gates. If he said does nothing, what have I lost? Right. The fact that he did it and acted on it, and I had the audacity now when I think back of it, I wasn't asking a favor from Bill. I was asking, would you write to David Geffen, the most successful man in the music industry, the only billionaire, to take a meeting with me because I have an idea to put music into video games. And he did. So there's no shame in trying. You're going to fail again and again. Sure. The other thing that I, I, I dealt in this book that really bugs me, and I'm sure you hear this from all the hucksters online, is when people say fear isn't real, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I want to lock one of those suckers in a cage with a tiger until they admit that they're lying. Okay? <laughs> okay. I'll wait. Fear is real. Sure it is. Most people are afraid to start a side hustle or a business. They're afraid to be, they'll be embarrassed. They're afraid to lose their money. They're afraid that they'll lose other people's money. They have all these fears. Those fears are real. But I'm not telling you to forget those fears because you can't. Your lizard brain is hardwired. That fight or flight response, that's, that's, that's solid. That keeps you up at night. That does all kinds of stuff. But if you were walking down you know, Broad Street in Philadelphia, thinking about those fears, and all of a sudden an 18-wheeler comes blaring, the brakes aren't working, it's going to run you over. Are you thinking about your business? Are you thinking about those fears? Or are you thinking about you better jump out of the way of this truck or you die? So a greater fear is what you focus on. So if you're at some dead-end job where you're not learning, you're not growing, you're trading a day of your life, a week of your life, a year of your life, 20 years, you wake up one day, you gave away the most precious thing you ever had, your life, for what? Right, right. That's time. what you should be afraid of, time slipping away. I agree with you because time is more valuable than money. 
And that's the thing you can never get back. You make more money, but you can never get your time back. So you got to be real careful about what you focus it on. I'll tell you my favorite line on that. Whenever people ask me, is now a good time to start a business? I always go, a year ago was better, but now it's the second best time. <laughs> of course, right? you say something like that. Because <laughs> the, the earlier you start, the more time you have to make mistakes because you're going to make mistakes. And that's the other thing people have to get in their head. Right. Everybody plays video games, okay? No one sits down at a video game and four hours later, woohoo, I got through it. It's like, here's an obstacle. I hammer on hammer. I get past. Here's another obstacle. Hammer, hammer. That's all the business is. An endless series of challenges. That's also what makes the journey a lot more fun than the pine box at the destination. So the earlier you start, the more you focus on you don't want to waste your life. And if you don't believe me and you have grandparents or go to an old age home and ask people what their biggest regret in life is, and it's not going to be what they failed at. It's going to be what they failed to try. If only I would have. I wanted to be whatever. So stop living someone else's dream for you. It's your life. It's the most precious thing we have. And the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. I, I also get bothered when people ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never ask my children that. I always ask, what problem do you want to solve when you grow up? World's got a lot of injustice. You can't find problems. I want to live on your street. <laughs> and not to get into politics, but when I saw our nation's capital beginning this year, what I saw was thousands of people that feel left out, left behind, clawing over leftovers because the world they were told existed doesn't exist. You're not going to have one parent work. 1950s, the average house was two years salary. So you could work, you could send your kids to school, and you had a full pension. Ozzy and Harriet aren't around anymore. That era is gone. So Unless you learn and commit to lifelong learning, unless you face this world of how it's changed and how it's changed to your advantage, if you want to take it that way, there's a whole lot of hurt coming because, again, half of all jobs are about to disappear. I know. So it's really, really important that people develop these skills to make money, you know, to develop multiple streams of income and really find 100%. something that they're passionate and good at. Right. You know, I mean, right. don't just chase something because you heard it'll make money. Chase something because you have something to add to the situation, like add something. Don't subtract. Always add. Well, Jay, you know what? I have so, 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 so enjoyed spending time with you. But I have a couple more quick questions for you. OK, number one, tell me. What is your favorite podcast? It must be Small Business Podcast. <laughs> it's Small Biz Chat, but thank you. I always appreciate the plug. Always. What is your favorite business app? Favorite business app would probably be LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. I'm a big LinkedIn lover too. And what is your favorite old school marketing tip? I'll give you my all-time best secret. Play a game with me. Why do you hire a PR firm? Because I want to become visible. Nope. No idea. Every answer, every answer that anybody would say is wrong. Here's why I hire a PR firm, to get to their clients. Oh. So the PR firm's hanging out with the CMO of Coke you know, or the CMO of whoever, and you have an idea that's great for them and great for your company. You got no channel to get there. The second you hire that PR firm, they go, you know what? This would also be great for a client, Coke. Do you mind if I set up a meeting? I'm like, what a great idea. It never occurred to me. Yeah. And that's how I've gotten to almost anybody in the world when I was just, you know, five guys in a room. I love it. I love it. Last question for you. What is the best business book you ever read? The Peter Principle. It basically explained that everybody rises to their level of incompetence. And that was mind blowing to me. 
So if you're a good teacher, if all the kids love you, what do they do? They make you principal. Principal doesn't deal with teachers. They deal, I mean, doesn't deal with students. They deal with teachers. If you're bad at that, you stay principal the rest of your life. If you're good at it, they make you school board where you have to deal with politicians and budgets, right? If you're bad at that, you're going to be a school board forever. So most people that you're going to meet in big organizations are actually at their level of most incompetence as opposed to most success. And once you see it that way, you understand why most of them are focused on just self-preservation and they have those fears of imposter syndrome and everything. And when I talked about the fear before, you can then flip the fear and use that to, to complete your sale. Interesting, interesting. Well, so I thought you might be interested to know what one of my best business books I ever read. It's actually Disrupt You by Jay Sandler. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> I actually say it at almost the end of every podcast interview. Oh, I do. you are the best. No, it, <laughs> it, and by the way, I, I know you, you've written books and you've shared this, this feeling with me. If you have a book in you, it's really the most rewarding thing to pay it forward and help people because it comes back in a million different ways that just make, make life better. I completely, completely agree. Jay, I've completely enjoyed this time with you. And I want to invite anyone interested in the Small Biz Chat podcast for more information on how to start and grow a successful small business. Check on over to succeedasyourownboss.com and check out all the tools and tips we have there to help you live your dream business. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, and I'll leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Belinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.